Lord. I do want to give you an update on Ready Now and our launching of the new uh, worship center construction project. We are excited about what the Lord is doing, and I want to give you an update on how things are uh, developing. We are, uh, as you know, last fall uh, we were given a date of, uh, we were looking at March, and we felt comfortable uh, because we'd been told we would begin in March. And uh, I do want to let you know that since that time, there has been a significant escalation in cost. Okay, so I want, I want you to be aware of that. Uh, this is not just affecting us. This is affecting the whole nation uh, because of, of COVID-related economic impacts. Uh, so we have seen an escalation in cost across the board. Uh, we've been having multiple meetings a week to discuss uh, what this means and how it will impact our uh, building project. But uh, I want you to be aware of that. The way we are approaching it, we're approaching it in a threefold manner. Number one, with prayer and fasting. Amen. Prayer and fasting. And so I'm going to be asking all of us to make this a matter of absolute focus in prayer and in fasting, believing God to make a way where we need him to make a way. We stand upon his promises. We trust in his provision. We know that the Lord is on our side and he's going to do a great work on our behalf. Amen. Uh, we are also going to approach this by continued giving. We're going to continue to give unto the Lord as we have been uh, giving, and we're going to continue that and, and just continue to trust God with your finances. How many have been blessed throughout the Ready Now campaign by the hand of the Lord? His hand is open unto us, and we give God the thanksgiving for that. And the third way that we have approached this, and, and, and this has been a, a, just an absolute uh, focus of our executive team and building uh, uh, bidders and architects and, and uh, construction managers and so forth, uh, we are cutting cost anywhere we possibly can. We're taking a sledgehammer to it. We're taking a chainsaw to it. We're taking a scalpel to it, a fine-tooth comb, you name it. We are finding any and every place in this project where we can cut cost, and we are going to face this escalation of cost, and we are going to win this battle in Jesus' name. Amen. So we thank God in advance for every victory that he has given us and is going to continue to give us. And all of that said, I want you to know we have been given a, a start date, an actual start date when we uh, are going to begin the construction of our new worship center. And we thank the Lord for it. The, the drummer's not in the drummer cage any longer, but we, we're going to pretend we hear a drum roll. Amen. May 1st of 2021, just in a few weeks, we're going to begin construction on our new worship center. Let's give God praise for it in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for it. Lord, we give you praise for it in the name of Jesus. We worship you and honor you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. And this is going to be such a wonderful thing. Uh, and when we start, we're going to put the pedal to the metal and get it done in the name of Jesus Christ. And I thank God for his blessing, and I thank you for your faithfulness and your generosity to the kingdom of God. God is blessing our efforts, and we're going to see many souls saved for the glory of God. How many believe it today? Amen. Thank the Lord. 
Thank the Lord. I'm going to look to the word of the Lord this morning. If you'd like to stand for the reading of God's word, please feel free to do so. I'm reading from the book of Psalms, and I'm going to read the 110th Psalm. And we're going to read from the first verse, just one verse of scripture, Psalm 110 and verse 1. It was so good to see our family here today, uh, the ranking family, and we love them and are so thankful that they have joined us this morning uh, to be in, this, in the house of the Lord. And uh, I'm reading from Psalm 110 and verse 1, just one verse of scripture, and it, it says this, The Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. The Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. I want to speak to you for just a few moments on this subject. The Lord is my Lord. The Lord is my Lord. Can we lift up our voices again and ask God to bless the preaching of his word. Lord, I thank you for your blessing. I thank you for your presence that we feel in this house. I pray today in Jesus' name that you would move upon us as we preach your word and hear your word and receive your word. I ask in the name of Jesus that your word will accomplish that very thing to which it is intended to achieve. I pray, God, that you would move upon our hearts. And help us to hear and receive the wonderful word of the Lord. Let an anointing be upon your messenger. Make my tongue the pen of a ready writer, I pray in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen and Amen. God bless you. In the name of the Lord, you may be seated in Jesus' name. This verse of Scripture is a very... Uh, it's a very amazing uh, verse, and, and, and it's mentioned several times in the New Testament. Uh, anytime that you see an Old Testament uh, passage uh, spoken verbatim in the New Testament, uh, you are, uh, that is a very significant thing to, to notice. So we see in the New Testament this verse of Scripture emerge on several occasions uh, by the Lord Jesus himself Matthew chapter 22 he was in conversation with the Pharisees and he asked them the question what think ye of Christ and they said we believe that he is David's son Jesus said if he is David's son then why did David say the Lord said unto my Lord sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool he quoted Psalm 110 verse 1 Matthew records Jesus reciting this passage and Mark records Jesus reciting this passage and and Luke records Jesus reciting this passage the writer of Hebrews mentions this verse two times one in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 13 and in another place in the same book the book of Hebrews toward the end of the book Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 13 verses 12 and 13 even on the day of Pentecost the apostle Peter is preaching and of course we as apostolic Pentecostal people are familiar with his message in Acts chapter 2 we talk very much about his response to the question, what shall we do? His response gives 
understanding for what we should do, what everyone should do. And it, it is this, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The question, what shall we do, had to do with what shall we do to remove the sin from our life, to remove the guilt from our life. And, and, uh, and, and Peter responded with that, with that command, repent and be baptized in Jesus' name, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But before he, he said that, he hearkened back to, to the book of Psalms. He said, in the book of Psalms, David said... The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. This verse of Scripture emerging throughout the New Testament gives it confirmation over and over and is evidence that, that the writers of the New Testament and Jesus himself wanted us to be clear that this statement in Psalm 110 verse 1 is the Lord, Yahweh, Jehovah God, the self-existent one, is, is declaring that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Christ. This reference to my Lord sitting at the right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool is in fact a reference to the fact that Jesus is the Christ and will sit at the right hand of God until I make thine enemies thy footstool. And so this is interesting because not only was it that particular verse that's referenced over and over in the New Testament, but even the matter of other portions of Scripture. For instance, when the Bible refers to the beauty of holiness in the New Testament, that statement, the beauty of holiness, is found in Psalm 110, referencing the beauties of holiness. The statement in the book of Hebrews concerning the, that Jesus Christ is made a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. It finds its roots here in Psalm 110 that he is made a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. This is a passage of scripture that deals with the fact that the Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Now I want to tell you what this scripture is dealing with and what it means. But before I talk to you about what it means, I want to talk to you about what it does not mean. What it does not mean is this. This is not, this is not a dialogue between two separate and distinct persons. This is not a dialogue between God the Father and God the Son. The Bible never makes any reference to the term God the Son. Because there is only one God. And, and so before you get to Psalm 110 and verse 1, you, you arrive at Deuteronomy 6 and verse 4. And Deuteronomy 6 and verse 4 is the foundational faith for all believers. It is something God wanted us to understand before we understand anything else. He wants us to, to understand. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God is one Lord. He wants that to be abundantly clear in our thinking. Why does he want that to be abundantly clear in our thinking? Because of the fact that there will be a competition for your heart and for your soul and for your mind. There are many adversaries and enemies that want to distract you and cause you to worship some other God. 
But the Bible is clear. The Lord our God is one Lord. The Lord Yahweh, our Elohim, is one Lord. He said, I want you to be clear about it. And so clear about it, I, I, he said this. He said, I want you to talk about it when you're sitting in your house. I want you to put it upon the doorposts of your home. I want you to put it as frontlets between your eyes. He said, I want you to have it wrapped around your arm. I, I want everywhere you look for this statement to be present. The Lord our God is one Lord. You're going to come across many peoples. You're going to come across many nations and many deities and other types of gods that are worshipped. But don't be fooled. Don't be deceived. The Lord our God is one Lord. Hallelujah. He said, teach it diligently to thy children. Diligently teach it to thy children. They need to understand before they go any further, they need to understand that the Lord our God is one Lord. And God wanted that to be clear because he was going to talk about the multifaceted way that he is God. He is our healer. He is our provider. He is our deliverer. He is our sustainer. He is our shield and buckler. He's our light and our salvation. He is the first and the last, the great I am. He is the good shepherd and the lamb. He's the door to the sheepfold. He's the scapegoat. He is all of these things. And he doesn't want us to ever misunderstand understand and think that he's divided up into separate persons he's not divided up into separate persons separate beings separate entities he is the one true and living God one of the most beautiful attributes about God is that he is only one this separates him from all of the false gods and false idols of the world because God does not need to delegate his power to others he does not need a sun God he doesn't need a moon God he doesn't need an ocean God he doesn't need a grass God or a cow God or a bear God he is the Lord all by himself the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And all they that dwell therein, it all belongs to God. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. So he does not, he does not depend on others. He doesn't, he doesn't need others. As a matter of fact, when he comes the second time, the Bible says that the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise. And I want you to know not only when he comes the second time will he come himself, but when he came the first time, he came himself. He did not send another. It complicates the grace of God and it grieves the Holy Spirit for someone to try to say that God did not come himself but that he sent another to do the sacrificial work. No, no. The Lord was manifest in human flesh and God became a man to save us from our sins. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
And I want, you, I want you to know that God became a man. He became a man. Why did God become a man? He became a man because man got himself into this mess. So legally, man had to get himself out of this mess. By man, because of Adam, all men die. It's going to require a man that all men may live. And no man was capable. No man was qualified. You can search the whole world and you won't find a sinless man. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You can search this Bible and you won't find a sinless man except for those beautiful red letters. There's only one who was ever sinless. There was only one who was ever perfect. There was only one who ever resisted temptation in all points. Even as we are tempted, he was without sin. He who knew no sin was made to be sin. Hallelujah for us. And so God became a man so that he could deliver us from our sins and he could conquer all of our enemies and he could subdue every adversary. That's why. Because man had the responsibility of, of salvation, but he could not save himself, so God became a man so that he could save all of mankind. He is the firstborn among many brethren. He is the captain of our salvation to bring many sons unto glory. Hallelujah. That's what we have to understand about the Lord. I want to turn your attention to Isaiah chapter 43. Because when we look at this matter of, of the Lord saying unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. It is, it is the lot of some. Some have made it their position that this is referring to an actual person, a separate being, a separate person standing at the right hand of God. That is not what the Bible is teaching. The right hand of God represents his power, and specifically his power at work in the earth. The Bible makes it clear that that is what it is referring to. And I want to point out some things. Isaiah 43 and verse 11. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. So he's, he's, he's preparing us. I want you to understand this because I am going to do a work in the earth and I don't want you to think it's somebody other than me who's doing it. I'm getting ready to redeem all of mankind and I don't want false teachers trying to tell you that Jehovah didn't do that. So I'm going to establish this in your heart. So you will know there is no God beside me. And there is no Savior beside me. Notice Isaiah 43 and verse 11. I, even I, am the Lord. And beside me there is no Savior. Okay, I'm going to stop at that, that, the first three letters of, of this, first three words of this uh, verse. I, even I. This is a pattern of God. He refers to himself twice on many occasions. He, many times, he'll refer to him two times. Two references for one God. I, even I, am the Lord. This is not, these are not two separate persons. This is one God, but he does have two separate responsibilities to man. He is the God who created man, and he is the God who saves man. Hallelujah. As Father, he created us, and as the Son of God, he saves us. I, 
even I am the Lord. He referred to himself twice again when he was talking with Moses at the burning bush. Moses said, what is your name? He said, my name is this. I am that I am. Two references to one God. Even in Psalm 110 verse 1, we see two references to one God. The Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. This is what Jesus meant when he said, I bear witness of myself and the Father beareth witness of me. This is not two separate persons. It is two references to the same God. The Father bears witness of me and I bear witness of myself. It is God at work in heaven and God at work on earth. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth, Jesus said. God often speaks in two ways. Many times he'll say, verily, verily. Sometimes he'll, he'll speak a name twice. Moses, Moses. Abraham, Abraham. Saul, Saul. Why persecutest thou me? This is, this is the way God talks. And Joseph, when he was speaking to the, the, the Pharaoh who had the dream, Pharaoh has this dream, and it's two dreams. And when Joseph comes to him and says to him, these two dreams you have are, are one dream. They are two, but they are one one and and they are they are two because when God does it twice it's because he establishes a thing and will shortly bring it to pass you dreamt of cows and you dreamt of ears of corn these cows and the ears of corn are the exact same thing it is one dream but it is told to you twice this is exactly the way we understand God and his work of redemption he is the Lord of glory and he is the Christ of Calvary he is the father of creation father in creation and he is the son in redemption and he is the spirit in regeneration he is the mighty God and he is the man Christ Jesus for unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called wonderful counselor the mighty God the everlasting father and the prince of peace Hallelujah. Isaiah had more to say about it. Isaiah 44 and verse 6, he says, Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. Same God, two references. The Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first and I am the last, and beside me there is no God. Verse number 8. Fear ye not, neither be afraid. Have not I told thee from that time, and have declared it? Ye are even my witnesses. Is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no God I know not. Not any Isaiah 45 and verse 5 I am the Lord and there is none else and there is no God beside me hallelujah Isaiah 45 and verse 6 that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me I am the Lord and there is none else Isaiah 45 and verse 21 tell ye bring them near yea let them take counsel together who hath declared this from ancient time who hath told it from that time have not I the Lord and there is no God else beside me a just God and a savior there is none beside me he just said father and son 
a just God and a Savior. A just God and a Savior. There's none else. It's me. It's me. I'm your God and I'm your Savior. I'm your Father and I became the Son so you could become sons of God. Hallelujah. Hosea gets in on the action. He wants to talk about it too. Hosea 13 and verse 14. Hallelujah. I will ransom them from the grave. Hosea 13 verse 4. Yet I am the Lord thy God from the land of Egypt, and thou shalt know no God but me, for there is no Savior beside me. So when... David said, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. He is not talking about a separate person standing at his right side. There is no Savior beside him. He warned us. Making us aware somebody's going to come along and try to tell you that I delegated this sacrificial responsibility to some other God, some co-equal branch of the Godhead. And it is not so. It is I, even I. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Look with me. Hallelujah. We're going to go first to Hebrews chapter 2. If we could throw Hebrews chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. I want to bring this to your attention. God became a man. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. God became a man so he could experience the suffering of death. Crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. That's why he became a man, so that he could taste death for all of us. For it became him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons, that's us, sons and daughters, many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. I want you to know he is the captain of our salvation and he was made perfect through the sufferings that he experienced. He was made fulfilled, complete. He was already perfect in the sense of sinlessness, but he was fulfilling the righteousness of the law with the sufferings that he experienced. Exodus chapter 14, we're going to talk again about the right hand of God. What he meant by saying the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. The children of Israel are standing at the Red Sea. And they are afraid because they have left Egypt in a dramatic fashion. In their minds they have angered the Egyptians by, by shaking off the chains of slavery. They have escaped. They don't know where they're going. They're trusting in God for every step that they take. And as they make their way through the wilderness, they come to an impassable and impossible set of circumstances. They are stranded at the Red Sea. And they looked to Moses and said it would have been better if we'd have just stayed in Egypt and died. You brought us out here and now you don't know where you're going and we don't know where we're going and it would just been better if we'd never been delivered at all. And Moses looked at them in verse 13 of Exodus 14 and said unto the people, Fear ye not. 
And I want to say to somebody who feels stranded like you are in the wilderness and facing an impassable and impossible set of circumstances, I say to you what Moses said to them, fear ye not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Now we have to know what he's saying when he says that. He said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. That word salvation there means Yeshua. When he said, see the salvation of the Lord, he was saying, stand still and see the Yeshua of the Lord. Stand still and see the Jesus of the Lord. Stand still and see what Jesus is going to do for all mankind. God is getting ready to do for us. Ah, I'm getting ready to show you what the Lord is going to do for you, Israel. And what he does for you today is what he'll do for whosoever will. And I want you to know that in Jesus Christ, God will make a way where there seems to be no way. I've come to preach the gospel to somebody today. Yes, he will heal your sickness. Yes, he will deliver your mind. Yes, he will break the chains of bondage. Yes, he will give you hope in the midst of your hopelessness. Yes, he will give you light in the midst of your darkness oh hallelujah hallelujah he said stand still don't be afraid stand still and you're going to see the Yeshua of the Lord you're going to see the salvation of the Lord the Jesus of the Lord which he will show to you today for the Egyptians whom ye have seen today you shall see them again no more forever and I want you to know that the deliverance God brings to your life he will separate you from those captors that have held you in bondage and you will see them again no more forever that is the salvation of the Lord look at verse 14 the Lord shall fight for you and you shall hold your peace thank God I get to hold my peace I said thank God I get to hold my peace you think that just means shut up and be quiet no no that's that, that's part of it so, so keep quiet but but that's not everything he's saying you don't you don't have to lose your peace in this process here I'm going to give you peace you hold on to that and I'm going to fight your battles so you get to hold your peace while the Lord fights your battles oh hallelujah and they go through on dry ground. They come up on the other side. And Miriam leads the daughters of Zion in a great dance before the Lord. And it was a beautiful moment. Exodus 15 contains the song that Moses sang. Listen to this. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord. And spake saying, I will sing unto the Lord. For he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he cast into the sea. The Lord is my strength and and song and he is become my Yeshua he has become my salvation he is become my Jesus Amen. hallelujah my grandfather was talking to a rabbi once in Israel and he was saying I want you to read for me this passage of scripture where the Lord refers to the salvation and could you just transliterate it could you just could you just give me the meaning of it, it, it the word in Hebrew and, and so the rabbi said what are you looking for he said 
He said, I, I just want you to give me the word exactly as it sounds. He said, I think I know what you're looking for. He said, can you give me that word? <laughs> he said, the word is Yeshua. He said, isn't that the name Jesus? He said, yes, that's the name Jesus. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my Jesus. He is my God, and I will prepare him an habitation, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. Listen to verse number three. This is a messianic prophecy concerning the fact that God was going to become a man and subdue our enemies and our adversaries. The Lord, hallelujah, is a man, a man, a man. The Lord is a man of war. He's going to become a man. That's what Moses is singing. He's going to become a man. And when he becomes a man, he's going to battle for us. He's going to fight our battles on our behalf. He's a man of war. He's going to bring all of our enemies under his feet. He's going to subdue every principality. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. When he comes to this earth, he is Yahweh. Yahweh is his name. He did not send another. He did not delegate. He did not deviate. He did not try to get out of it. No, the Lord himself became a man, and he's a man of war. Hallelujah. He goes on to say in verse number 6, Thy right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord. Remember the right hand of God. Sitting at the right hand of God. Thy right hand, O Lord, is become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in pieces the enemy. And, and he goes on to say in verse number 12, Thou stretchest out thy right hand. The earth swallowed them. Thou in thy mercy hast led forth the people which thou hast redeemed. Thou hast guided them in thy strength unto thy holy habitation. Moses is saying, when we saw the foretelling of the workings of Yeshua, it was the right hand of God at work in the earth. The Lord said unto my Lord, sitting, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. I, I want you to understand what he's saying. The Lord is saying, listen, I'm coming down into the earth as a man. And I'm going to subdue every enemy and every adversary and every principality. And it will be my right hand. I'm bringing my power into the earth. Notice the difference. He went from being the Lord to my Lord. The Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand. You've got. It's not a difference in persons. It's a difference in relationship to mankind. The Lord. He's always the Lord. He created the heavens and the earth. The Lord. He parted the Red Sea. The Lord. Hallelujah. He, 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 he stretched the north over the empty place as the Lord. He bindeth up the waters in his garments as the Lord. But when he became a man, the Lord became my Lord. He became my God. He became my Lord. He's not just off in some distant galaxy somewhere but he came down to this earth and we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities he knows my name and I know his name hallelujah my God 
I'm going to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. When God became a man, when the Word was made flesh, He's not just some theological idea that's bound in a book of leather. He's my God, my Savior. I can call on His name. I can be buried in His name and be saved from my sins. That, 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 that is the right hand of God. It is the hand that saves. He is the God that saves. The Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand. Is the same concept as I, even I am the Lord. It's the same concept as I am, that I am. He's at the right hand. Notice what Psalmist Asaph said in Psalm 74. He is the Psalmist Asaph. Asaph is speaking of the great enemies that Israel has. And he says this. He said, they break down. Verse 4, thine, thine enemies roar in the midst of thy congregation. Verse number 6, they break down the carved work at once with axes and hammers. Verse 7, they have cast fire into thy sanctuary. They have defiled by casting down the dwelling place of thy name to the ground. Asaph is describing the enemies of God's people. Verse 8, they said in their hearts, let us destroy them together. They have burned up all the synagogues of God in the land. Verse 9, there is no more any prophet. Neither is there among us any that knoweth how long this is going to go on. Oh God, how long shall the adversary reproach? How long shall the enemy blaspheme thy name? Forever. Verse number, verse number 11, he says, Why withdrawest thou thy hand, even thy right hand? Where's your right hand? Pluck it out of thy bosom. Please, Lord, take your right hand out of your bosom. Please, Lord, bring your right hand out so we can see. Please, Lord, come, Messiah. Come, Messiah. Pluck out thy right hand and deliver us from our adversaries. Oh, Messiah, pluck out thy right hand and, and, and deliver us. Don't you know that's what God was showing Moses when he had him up before the burning bush? He said, Moses, put thy hand in thy bosom. Moses puts his hand in his bosom. He said, pull it out. It's covered with with leprosy he said put it back in your bosom he puts it back he said now pull it out and it was healed made whole he was showing him the work of Messiah that's what Asaph was talking about when he said pluck out thy right hand from thy bosom bring Messiah come Lord come and deliver us I want you to know that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God the same was in the beginning with God all things were made by him Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the light was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness. And the darkness comprehended it not. And the word was made flesh. 
and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Hallelujah. God coming down into the form of man was the Lord becoming my Lord. It was Yahweh becoming my Adonai. It was the Lord becoming my Savior. It was the self-existent one becoming my Redeemer. Hallelujah. And he sits at the right hand of God in this context as the power of God at work in the earth until I make thine enemies thy footstool. He has a work to do and he is doing it right now. And he is bringing us all into one in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And that last enemy shall be destroyed. And that la listen, he's destroying the enemies. The enemies are already destroyed. They're already destroyed. You don't have to be afraid of nothing. Fear is under his feet. Sickness is under his feet. Do you hear me? Even when, we, even when we face death, we don't sorrow the way other people sorrow because we have hope in Jesus Christ. I want you to know that he has victored over every enemy and every adversary. And, and when this body that is corruptible at the moment becomes incorruptible, when this mortal body becomes immortal at the sounding of the trumpet, at the return of Jesus Christ, there's going to be a resurrection of the dead when that happens death is swallowed up in victory oh death where is thy sting oh grave where is thy victory the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death Amen. hallelujah and I'm going to tell you when that happens the son delivers the kingdom to the father that God may be all in all because he has accomplished his work in the earth and God no longer needs to operate in the role of son because he has made us to be sons unto glory. He has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. He has made, hallelujah, hallelujah. He came unto his own and his own received him not. He came unto the world and the world knew him not. But to as many as received him, to them gave he Power to become the sons of God. That was what it was all about. His right hand at work in the earth is his power, bringing many sons unto glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I am one of them. And so are you. That's what happens when you repent of your sins or baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the precious gift of the Holy Ghost. You are made a son and a daughter unto God. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 7. We've had about three and a half years of Holy Ghost revival since the upper room. Since Jesus was crucified, rose from the dead, and the Holy Ghost was poured out. And here's this man of God, Stephen, preaching. He's preaching in Acts chapter 7 to the Jews. And he's telling them about the Messiah. He's preaching from the Old Testament. And he's bringing them all through the, the, the history of, of their rejection of the Lord. And he is letting them know that God has, this has always been the plan of God to become a man and to save mankind. This is the fulfillment of his his glorious plan and he comes to a certain point and finally he said you know what you know what you've always been like this you stoned the prophets you rejected every spokesperson that God sent along he said you're just like your fathers they rejected him and you're rejecting him he said how long 
How long? How long, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in a heart? How long will you reject him? And when he said that, they rose up and they gnashed on him with their teeth. They gnashed on him with their teeth. They were so angry that he would say they had rejected Messiah. And while they gnashed on him with their teeth and he was fighting off these these that came against him, he looked up and he said, I see the heavens open and I see Jesus standing on the right hand of God. He was not talking about a separate person. He was not talking about a distinct being separate from God. Do I have to take you back to Isaiah? Beside me there is none else. There is no other Savior. I am the one, the only one. There is none else beside me. I, even I, am the Lord. No, he's not talking about a separate individual or a separate being. He's talking about the right hand of God is now at work in the earth. I see it. It has begun. He's at the right hand of God. He's beginning the process of bringing many sons unto glory. That was the moment that the Jewish nation rejected the gospel for the final time. And the Lord opened the door to the Gentiles beginning at Samaria in Acts chapter 8 and Cornelius' house in Acts chapter 10. That's what Stephen saw. Stephen saw Jesus standing on the right hand of God in this context. That the right hand of God and its purpose in the earth has begun. I see it. You're rejecting it and God is opening the door to whosoever will. It's happening. Psalm 110.1 is starting right now. It's happening. The fulfillment of the prophecy. It's coming to pass. And when they heard him say that, that angered them to an even greater degree. And they picked up stones and they threw those rocks at that innocent man. And they killed him because of what he saw. And they that stoned him laid their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And little did Saul know, but just one chapter, two chapters later, he was going to meet that Jesus. He was going to have an encounter with that right hand of God. He was going to have an encounter. And guess what happened when he was on the road to Damascus? He was knocked down from his high horse. And, and, and this great light was shining above the brightness of the sun. And, and he looked up to him and said, Who art thou, Lord? He didn't know him as his Lord. He just knew him as as the Lord. He didn't know him as my Lord. He just knew him as the Lord. And he said, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus. I want you to know he's alive and well, and he's here right now. And he can heal, and he can deliver, and he can set you free. Glory, glory, glory. Thomas said, Thomas said, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. Hallelujah. Stand with me right now. The musicians could come. Stand with me in this place. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thomas said this. They told him, they said, come, see, he is risen. Thomas said, I don't, I don't know if I believe that. He said, i got to see something. It has to be proven to me. And so Thomas said, I won't believe until I see the scars, until I see the nail prints in his hands. 
I have to actually put my finger in the nail print. I have to reach my hand and feel the wound in his side. Because those are real things. I saw them with my eyes. And you're telling me that he's alive. But I saw him die. Jesus appeared to Thomas. And he put forth his hand. He said, stretch forth thy hand, Thomas. Come on. Feel the wound that you said you needed to feel. Touch the wound you said you needed to touch. And when Thomas saw it, Brother Rubio, he, he, it was, he didn't need any more than that. He fell on his face. And he said whatever one of us need to say in this house this morning. He looked at Jesus and said, My Lord and my God. I want you to know he wants to be to you more than just a story, more than just a, a, a knowledge that you have gained from reading. He, he doesn't want to just be the Lord. He wants to be my Lord. He doesn't want to just be God that you've heard about that's out there somewhere and he's probably real. No, no, no. He wants to know you and you to know him. He wants to be God and Savior and healer and friend to you. And I want you to know he's in this place right now. Oh, if you believe it, lift your hands unto him and lift your voice unto him. Oh, if you believe it, just lift your voice unto God right now. Come on, all across this house, I want whatever need you have, I want you to give it to Jesus right now. I want you to give it to Jesus right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What, what's it going to take for you to believe? Is it going to take a healed wound? Then bring your wounds to him and let him heal that wound. What's it going to take? It's going to take a, a, healed, a, healed, a healed nail print. Then bring all your nail prints to him and let him heal you one by one, wound by wound, laceration by laceration. Let the blood of Jesus come upon you. Let the power of God come upon you. Let the grace of our God minister abundantly to you. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Come on, all across this house. Let's lift up a praise unto God right now. Let's lift up a praise unto God right now. Thank you, Jesus. 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 I cannot improve upon the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's nothing I can say that can make it any better. It is perfect. It is so pure. It is so holy. It is so real. If you believe his gospel, I want you to come right now and seek his face. If you believe his gospel, come and seek his face. Come on, that's it. In the name of Jesus. Oh. Come on, that's it. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. Come on, that's it, that's it. If you need to be baptized, come on, that's it. If you need to repent, come on, that's it, that's it. That's it. God bless you in the name of Jesus. God bless you in the name of Jesus. Oh, come on, that's it. Give him all of your heart today. Give him all of your heart today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Go ahead. That's right. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord.
Yes, the world. 